Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host. Ryan Fowler, and today we're talking football. We are recapping Washington's preseason week one win in Cleveland last night, 17-15, a night that started off a little weird, a preseason delay, but, you know, summer and storms, Cleveland weather right on the water, stuff happens, right? But we got started a little bit later than expected, but from what we saw, we're going to dive into offense Defense, special teams, guys that stood out, guys wanted to see more of. The snap counts can really paint a picture for you around certain athletes early in the preseason, so we'll get into those. But lots of notes from last night's game. And of course, where else are we going to start than on offense and with Sam Howell and the first and the ones? And there wasn't a lot of work. There was just a couple series from Sam Howell in the front five, but overall, It was what you expected for the preseason in week one. And what I loved about the overall architecture and what I saw was confidence, poise, and rhythm from Sam Howell, not afraid to extend the play with his legs, something that he constantly improved upon when he was at North Carolina. What he showed even last year in preseason games and then the lone game against Dallas And the times we saw him in practice, and then now what we've seen so far this summer and last night. Consistently being able to threaten a defense, not just as a static pocket passer, but as someone that is able to work the pocket and maneuver the pocket and move the launch point, is a common phrase that you'll hear in the scouting world from the quarterback position, is moving the launch point. And that's what Sam Howell did last night. That's what Piannemi wanted him to do because the front five guys still is a massive, massive concern. And I think when even you look at the first play from scrimmage, a little bit of an RPO look to Brian Robinson off the left side of the line of scrimmage, that right there shows me I'm Eric Bieniemy. I want to see what Chris Paul's doing. How does he look? First play from scrimmage, an RPO right behind Chris Paul's backside. How is he going to be able to displace somebody? So right then and there, you know, this is the preseason. He wants to see who's going to show up. Chris Paul's getting first team reps. We're going to go right behind you, big dog, and see what you got from the first snap. I thought Chris Paul was fine. I thought the left side of the line of scrimmage last night was fine. The right side, however, throughout the night, whether it was Andrew Wiley or the twos and the threes that came in after him, they struggled, specifically Andrew Wiley. Zedarius Smith, I'm going to keep it PG, but he took Andrew Wiley behind the barn last night and, and minimal work, and there was just no shot for Andrew Wiley. There was just no shot. The holding penalty, I, I mean, the safety, it, it, it was just nasty. It, it was nasty. I mean, Sam Howell gets out of the pocket, makes a nice throw to John Bates, who drops the pass, gets called back anyway. Even if he caught the ball, it would have caught and called back because the hold on Wiley just wasn't good. Um, but overall, I want to keep it positive, and I, I just wanted to focus on Sam Howell, what we saw from him. His arm strength, you know, wasn't the best weather, keeping his feet under him, keeping his eyes up, not turning into a runner towards eyes moved down towards the grass, 
making plays both inside and outside of structure. I saw that from Sam last night, and it's only going to get better as he continues to get his feet wet. Biennemi did a nice job of getting him in rhythm early in the game. I, I really liked the game script that we saw in just the couple series of Sam Howell because as we move into the second game on Monday night on ESPN against the Ravens, so a national broadcast for Washington's second preseason game, we're going to see a lot more of these starters. Hopefully, we'll see them at least a half. Offense and potentially defense. I don't know as far as the big boys up front. We know what they're going to get, what they're going to offer. But from an offensive perspective, I mean, we saw Sam to Jahan Dotson, that 26-yard hookup, 10-play, 80-yard drive. Just a fantastic pass from Sam Howell. Now, Jahan had to make a heck of a play. Obviously, you want that ball right on his hands. Allow him to just catch it and maneuver into the end zone. But we know Jahan can make that catch. We know Jahan plays bigger than his frame. He's got excellent hands. He's a hands catcher. He's excellent in space. You know, is there another surprise? Is it a surprise at all? The number one got in the end zone in the first preseason game as much as he did last year in his rookie season? No. I mean, this kid is fantastic. He's just someone that is... I know a lot of you are fantasy guys out there and you're expecting breakout season for somebody. Well, I don't think Jahan's going to break out in any fashion. I think when he stepped on NFL turf, he was already good, right? He was a high-level athlete. Then the production came. Now he's another year experience. He's got more snaps under his belt. He's going to be fantastic again in year two. And it's just, again, last night showing up, minimal work, touchdown for Jahan. And receivers, I mean, there wasn't much action, right? Jacoby Brissett came in, did a nice job. But Byron Pringle led the team with a catch in 32 yards. Cole Turner did a nice job. Four targets, four catches, 31 yards. Jahan had two targets. Mitchell Tinsley and Kaz Allen I will talk about later in the episode. And I want to talk about the back end of this depth chart for the receivers because it is a mishmash of bodies because we saw Byron Pringle make some plays last night. Marcus Kemp was on the field. There are a lot of guys. Dax Milne, Deami Brown had a catch. A nice catch at that from Jacoby Brissett. There are just... There's a lot of guys in this receiver's room that are fighting for a spot, but we're going to get to that later in the episode. From the running backs, there really wasn't too much to talk about. Um, Looking at the snap counts, I don't think Jonathan Williams makes this roster. Um, The guy had one offensive snap. Uh, Jarrett Patterson had eight offensive snaps. You know, it was Chris Rodriguez, it was Brian Robinson, and it was Antonio Gibson out in space. I mean, there were times where we saw Brian Robinson standing as a wide receiver, flexed out, and then motioning back into the backfield. That's excellent. I like that because not only can Brian Robinson go out there, not asking him to be a route runner, be a receiver. Does he have good hands to do that? He could, yes. But motioning him back into the backfield can most likely be a man indicator for this offense. It's not always a man indicator, but just moving guys around and and allowing Sam Howell to get little, to get, take tea leaves from a defense and say, okay, here, Brian Robinson's motioning in. Who's sliding with him? Are they running man? Are they not moving? Does it look like zone? Those are just little things that allow Sam Howell's job to just get that much easier. And they're little things in the offense that will just allow him to get in rhythm and allow him to feel comfortable in the pocket and allow him to go through his progressions right to left, left to right, wherever the defense may take him. Just allow him to continue to progress both with his head, right, in between the ears, learning the offense, learning the language, and then just being able to go out there and play football, be a quarterback, not be a thrower, but be a quarterback under center. So the offense overall, really, I mean, it was 
fine last night. Happy from what I saw. Um, again, guys were confident. They were poised under center. Really like what I saw from some from Sam and Jacoby. Jake Fromm, and really that wasn't too much to take from. He's most likely going to be a practice squad guy or going to be cut from this roster. Um, but again, the running backs, I, I like what I saw. Chris Rodriguez got some pop to him running in between the tackles. Really like what I saw there. Uh, on the outside, I mentioned Mitchell Tinsley. I mentioned Jahan. Didn't see, of course, much from, from Terry or Curtis or anything like that. So want to see more of those guys into more practices and training camp and into week two is now we have a game under these guys' belts. But for me, guys, a lot of it starts on defense. And I want to start with Chase Young. Um, the, the snaps that he had, he had, I believe, I want to check here. He had four total defensive snaps, I believe. Yes, four total defensive snaps, the least of any defenseman, if you will, on the entire commander's roster. He had four. Phil Mathis had six. Montez, eight. Duran, 10. John Allen, 11. So those are your guys, right, up front. They just got a little bit of work and came off the field. But Chase Young and the couple snaps that he had, just fantastic off the edge, working off the left tackle, getting inside, almost sacking Deshaun Watson. His knee looks good. He looks inspired. He wants to get paid, bottom line. Him and Montez both want to get paid. Montez made a heck of a play at the goal line, along with Emmanuel Forbes. This guy's making plays, flat out. Guys being aggressive, using their athleticism, and dominating up front. Not everything was perfect for Washington last night, but overall, defensively, you know, Cleveland went down the field, made a couple plays, but at the goal line, bend but don't break. Bend but don't break. And you have your guys step up there with Montez and, of course, Emmanuel on the outside. Speaking of the outside... Quan Martin played a ton. He, he was into the fourth quarter. Um, a rough debut for the rookie out of Illinois. Second round pick. Uh, got a lot of work playing some high, playing some low, playing in the nickel, playing outside a little bit. Um, Want to see more from Quan. I picked on him a little bit in that, in that second half, the one-on-one situation down by the goal line where he was beat by David, uh, David Bell from DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson on that seven-yard hookup to get the game to 17-9 at that point. Uh, late in the third quarter. I just want to see more. It, look, it's an NFL debut, guys. If you come out there and expect him to be, you know, Ronnie Lott, or you expect him to be Deion Sanders, or you expect him to be an elite corner right from the jump. I mean, I get it. Second round pick. I understand. There are expectations, absolutely. But it does take a little bit of time. And snaps, more reps, more comfortability, allowing him to slow down as far as what he's looking at from an offensive concept perspective will only help Quan moving forward. Playing nickel is tough. You got open space to your left and to your right, and you got no one behind you. It's usually you're in a depth to where there is. Again, no immediate help over the top. You're chasing guys on crossers. You're having to be a run defender on the edges of the defense. You're asking to cover tight ends or receivers in man. There's a lot of things you have to do as a nickel corner in this league. It's no longer just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draft a 5'9 guy and throw him in at slot and, and just let him play there, and that's it. You have to do so much as a nickel, and I'm excited for Kwan's progression. Last night was a little bit of a welcome to the NFL moment for him, but he's going to improve. I promise you guys, he's an athlete, he's a good football player. Combine the two, you get a heck of a defensive player. Kwan can play. Just allow him to get better and better and better, and don't go too far head over heels with just a couple of snaps in the preseason. Cody Barton at linebacker, really like from what? What I saw from him in that first half, flying around, hash to hash, sideline to sideline. Um, Jamin Davis, uh, I need to see a little bit more flexibility uh, and burst from him, um, moving downhill specifically. He looks a little, I'm not going to say gimpy, because that 
almost teases an injury. He just looks a little awkward at times in his movement um, and his trigger. Uh, Cody was just very decisive, very instinctive, moving around the second level in coverage and in run, in the run, excuse me, chasing down Deshaun Watson if he had to. Um, I just want to see more from Jamin Davis. This is year three. This is a huge year for him um, at that second level. We're going to get a lot of snaps. We saw progression moving into year two. Obviously, this offseason hasn't been all football focused for him. We've had the stuff off the field um, that has maybe taken away potentially from his focus between the hashes, but we're not going to go into that. We're going to stick to football here. Um, and I just want to see more, right? First round pick. I just want to see more moving into this Ravens game. Just more confidence at the second level, attacking, uh, but having intelligent violence, not just a bull in a china shop that we saw in year one. Just someone that is intelligent at the second level. He's going to be asked to work with Cody for 75 plus percent of the snaps and your two linebacker sets, your base defense at the middle of that, at the middle of that defense, that core, the nucleus that I always talk about. I want I want to see him play with more confidence and not hesitant at the second level. I want to see more of him moving into the preseason because again, it, it, it's year 3. It is year 3. Uh moving down the list here, Christian Holmes have a day. Number 34 on the outside, second-year man out of Oklahoma State, day three pick last year. He was everywhere. I mean, triggering downhill on Anthony Anthony Schwartz, excuse me, on the pass breakup. You could say it was a drop from Anthony. I'm going to call it a pass breakup for Christian. Aggressive, physical, long, physical kid. Again, I mentioned him at Oklahoma State, just a defense that has been underrated these last few years in college football. I love it. You can never have enough corners on the outside that understand how to do their job, both man and zone. And he's someone that's going to get reps on special teams as he did last year. Good for Christian Holmes. Got a lot of work and showed up last night in all facets. And just the pop that he's playing with shows me that the game is slowing down on the outside for him. And he's just ability to say, I got a big frame. I'm strong. I got length. I'm going to make you feel it on the outside. Receivers don't like it when they're catching a five-yard hitch. And you got a corner coming downhill hill at 6'2", you know, 200 pounds. And they're popping you a little bit. Guys don't like to feel that a lot. Christian Holmes did that last night. Anthony Schwartz, whoever he was facing last night. Watkins, David Bell. It didn't matter. Love what I saw from Christian Holmes yesterday. Uh, Percy Butler had a pick. Thought he did a nice job. Roman center field. Making plays. Got a lot of work. He's going to get a lot of work in year one. He just did that at Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette a ton. And he's just an athlete making plays in the football. And he also provides that rangy, downhill, long, looks like Emmanuel Forbes, but is going to live up top. He's going to roam number to number. That's where Percy's going to live rotationally as a safety in this group. We saw Jeremy Reeves flying around, of course, last night. Always love seeing 39 stick his face in the mud. Um, Up front, shout out to Andre Jones Jr., seventh round pick out of Louisiana Lafayette. He's going to make this roster. And if you go back and watch the game, he's number 48, came onto the field as he moved back into the later portions of the second quarter and into the second half. His hands, his explosiveness, chasing down Josh Dobbs. I mean, guys, Andre Jones, I didn't see a lot from KJ Henry. Doesn't mean he wasn't good. I want to go back and watch the game again and focus on KJ but when he makes splash plays, they're going to pop up on just the TV broadcast. I was not in Cleveland. So on the TV broadcast, I saw Andre Jones pop. And he's making plays. 
His hands, I mentioned, are excellent. His counters, ability to win to the inside, win to the outside. He's going to make this roster. I really do believe that. I told you guys when we drafted him out of ULL back in April, he's just somebody that was really good in the Sunbelt Conference, just physical, grown man on the edge, good in the run game, and has that ability in pass rush repertoire to come in as a rotational edge behind Montez, Chase, and guys that we saw work rotationally last night, and Casey Tuhill, Jamie Smith-Williams, who had a good game, and F.A. Obata. Guys have to show up. Shaka Tony is out, right? Shaka Tony is not playing this year. Out for the fear for the gambling. So who's going to show up? Andre Jones is a guy that has to. He was drafted. Wasn't coming into UDFA. You're just getting him snaps to see what you have. He is somebody that is going to make this roster. I fully believe that. In his first work in preseason, he's been showing up in camp. Now he's showing up in game scenarios. He's going to get more work, I expect, against the Ravens. And just someone that shows up every single day with their lunch pail to work. And then finally, guys, I did want to talk about the wide receiver depth chart. Um, last night, didn't see a ton of work from Mitchell Tinsley in Kaz Allen. I mean, when you look at the snap counts here, Kaz had 10 snaps, so 16% of the offensive workload. Mitchell Tinsley had 14 snaps, but Mitchell's snaps were, it was more than Antonio Gibson, it was more than Byron Pringle, more than Bryson Tremaine. Obviously, Curtis Samuel had less. Marcus Kemp only had 11 snaps. So that back end of the depth chart, it remains up in the air. And I don't know exactly how it's going to play out because when Kaz gets an opportunity, he showcases himself. Legit 4-3 speed. As a receiver, designated touches, over the middle of the field on crossers, legit vertical threat. We saw him return a punt that got called back, but just his speed east to west or just run around defenders is a field flipper. And you can't have enough guys like that. And when you look back to last year, when Washington kept Alex Erickson as their wide receiver six, as their punt returner, that eventually turned into Dax Milne returning punts. You need better. You need some juice as a guy that can do that for you and provide a little bit of versatility on offense. Now, Dax did more on offense than Alex did last year, but you guys catch my drift here as far as versatility remains king. But then you also look at a guy like Mitchell Tinsley from a static receiver perspective, competing with Marcus Kemp, and I do think Byron Pringle is going to be on this roster. I love what I saw from him last year, or excuse me, last night, and I love what I saw from him in Kansas City as, as kind of that wide receiver four, five on their roster that can show up and do some special teams things as well, and he was good last night. But Mitchell Tinsley is just a hands catcher, can separate at every single depth, was excellent at Western Kentucky, was excellent at Penn State, has been really good in training camp, came in as a UDFA, where has been working with the twos, got some good work last night. Again, one catch, one target, 26 yards. I tweeted out a video of him and in his catch over the middle of the field, just going up, high-pointing the football and bringing it down within his frame. It just looks smooth. And I, I'm not going to go over overzealous and say, you know, Mitchell Tinsley is Terry McLaurin. I'm not doing that. And again, he's going to be a guy that's fighting for a spot in the back of this roster and potentially fighting for a couple of snaps here and there, barring injury for any guy this year. But just if a guy can play, he can play. And when you look at these guys in the old eye test, just watch Mitchell Tinsley and the kid can play. Both these guys. Tinsley and Allen. And I talked about them all spring long 
As far as the athletes that they are and how they're going to compete with the back end of this receivers group, and it's just going to make it tough. And could they make it? Could they keep seven receivers? I know one of you guys asked me on Twitter last night, could they keep seven receivers? They very well could. A couple teams the last few years have. I know the Packers did it a couple years ago. I know the Bills did it a couple years ago. Will they keep seven receivers? That's a lot of receivers. I think they need to keep some guys up front because their depth there is limited. The pop, even with the ones, is limited. See what they do at edge. See what they do at linebacker. Who knows? But receiver, they got a lot of guys that can play. But it's going to be tough to crack the roster and eventually to crack snaps and crack targets because you got Curtis Terry and Jahan in front of you. But you can never have enough guys. There are going to be at least... I fully expect six guys. I fully expect them to keep six. Deami Brown made a nice catch last night, but we just continually bring up Deami Brown's name because he's been on the roster. We want to see more of and makes a nice catch last night. But is he solidified on this roster? For me, I think he is. I think he is wide receiver four. I want to see more from Deami in all facets. But... Guys like Kaz Allen and Mitchell Dinsley are going to make it really tough on this coaching staff. When you sit down and look at the back end, when you sit down, you have Marcus Kemp and you have Dax Milne, Byron Pringle, Kaz Allen, and Mitchell Tinsley. Who are you keeping? That's the tough decisions that you have to make as if you're Martin Mayhew, you're Ron Rivera, and you're Eric Bieniemy, and you're all sitting there talking. Who showed up? Who didn't? Preseason's tough because you're trying to get guys opportunities and, you know, Kaz last night wasn't featured at all in the passing game. I mean, he had one target, he had one catch, but it was no yards, right? It was just a, it was nothing. It was just a target and a catch. That, that's it. Mitchell Tinsley, again, one target, one catch. You're trying to get guys opportunities. And it's tough because a lot of guys in the building and, and the passing offense in the preseason is tough at times because you're asking the front five to protect especially when you're working to the twos and the threes for three, four seconds potentially. And stuff just breaks down a lot of the time. So we move into this Ravens game. I want to see more from Kaz and Mitch. It's, it's going to be tough, guys. This depth chart, but it's fun. It's a training camp battle. And when you have a lot of depth and you have a lot of pop and you have a lot of talent at certain positions, it's a good thing. A lot of these guys, most of these guys are going to go elsewhere and get opportunities. I don't see... You know, Marcus Kemp, the veterans, if he's gone, if Dax Milne's gone, then maybe go somewhere and get an opportunity as a wide receiver five somewhere else or on a practice squad. Mitchell Tinsley and Kaz Allen are eligible for the practice squad. They could be here. I fully expect that if they don't make the roster, if they want to be here. So training camp battles are always fun. Did I expect it to be at the receiver position because of the guys we have up front? No, but you have to have versatility. You have to have guys that understand how to separate. I say it all the time as your four, fives, and six that can come in barring any injury. We've seen injuries from Jahan last year. We saw it from Curtis Samuel two years ago. Injuries happen, and they will happen to this roster. Knock on wood, not terribly, but they will happen. Injuries change things on offense, defense, and special teams. It's just a matter of time when they happen and how long those injuries and how long guys stay on the shelf. But this wide receiver battles with four, five, and six, potentially seven spot, is going to be really fun to watch in these next couple weeks. But that is going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, always appreciate your likes, your reviews, your shares. 
Subscribe. We're on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Again, Washington 17-15. Preseason week one win in Cleveland. It's good to get their feet wet. It's good to see a lot of those rookies come in and play. It was good to see even a free agent like Abdullah Anderson get a lot of work last night. I thought he did a nice job within the interior, along with John Ridgway, of course, in the back end of that fourth quarter, the Milo Eifler forced fumble, and of course, big John Ridgway recovering it. He's always in the right spot at the right time, it seems like. Looking forward to him having a good year, too. I do think he makes this roster, again, as a rotational interior defensive lineman. But guys, we're already moving into week two. And as you know, now we're doing two episodes a week, moving closer and closer to week one. I will have an episode out for you guys next Thursday. We have a little bit until Washington's second game against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football, preseason week two. So next Thursday, I'll have a preview out for you guys, recapping the last few practices and also previewing the Ravens roster and the Washington roster, of course, guys I want to see more of moving into week two. So Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed the game last night. We got football back. It was good seeing the Burgundy and Gold fly around the football field. So I will talk to you guys on Thursday, again, previewing preseason week two, Washington Commanders and Baltimore Ravens. I'll talk to you guys then. I am Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.